You're listening to the Business and Life Conversations podcast with Angela Henderson, episode 105. Hey there, you're listening to the Business and Life Conversations podcast. My name is Angela Henderson, and on this show, we talk about improving your business, life, or both by having amazing and rich conversations with brilliant guests who will inspire you and who will give you tips and tricks to help you grow both in life and in business. Well, hey there, and welcome back to another awesome episode of the Business and Life Conversations podcast. I am your host, and Tremangela Henderson Consulting, where I am a business consultant and coach who has helped hundreds of amazing women business owners get all the pieces in place to have consistent five-figure months and then on to six-figure years without burning out in the process. Facebook groups. Ever heard of them? Do you have your own Facebook community, or do you participate in the amazing Facebook communities that are available? If you say yes, then you probably know some probably not all of the benefits that these groups bring to your business. But if you said no to having your own Facebook group or no to participating in Facebook groups, you're missing out on a lot. And I repeat a lot of different business opportunities. I started my own Facebook community, the Australian Business Collaborative back in Jan 2017. And it has been one of my biggest tools for business growth. Let me just repeat that biggest tools for business growth. And in 2020, Facebook group marketing is growing and growing and growing. Why, you might ask? For starters, Facebook engagement is actually increasing despite rumblings and rumblings about the platform's frequency changing algorithm. Recent data from Sprout Social Index highlights that 40% of marketers view private communities as a top social trend to prioritize in 2020. And straight from Facebook themselves, the platform prioritizes content from groups that users frequently engage with. So if you're consistently publishing to your group and your audience is reacting to it or they're posting content themselves, you're feeding the algorithm exactly what it wants. You are ultimately making Facebook happy. So as you can see, there is so much awesomeness from Facebook groups. And this is why I'm really excited to have the awesome Joe Murray joining us today to talk about five ways to build your business through Facebook groups without being sleazy. That's right, without being sleazy. We're going to talk about are Facebook groups still worth people's time? We're also going to talk about the core benefits you will see in your own business by either starting your own Facebook group or joining in others. We're also going to debunk some of the myths about the algorithm even more than what I've talked about within the Facebook groups. And Joe is also going to talk about five ways businesses can build their business through Facebook groups with again without being sleazy. And Joe is such an amazing person. There's so much other golden nuggets that is going to come from this episode. So make sure you stay tuned. But before we hop straight into this amazing episode, I'd like to remind you that if you enjoy this episode, I would love for you to share your key takeaway, a fun fact, or anything you'd love to share about the podcast over on your Instagram stories, and then tagging me at Angela Henderson Consulting, because that would put a smile on my dial. Also, this episode is sponsored by my brand spanking new program, Instagram Mastery for Business Owners with me, Ange Henderson, where you're going to get the step-by-step guide for getting visible, getting booked, and growing your business with Instagram, all for a one-time payment of $27. You see, many business owners struggle to understand Instagram and are left feeling overwhelmed, deflated, or just posting with minimal or no strategy at all. And this means minimal or no results. But in my new program, Instagram Mastery for Business Owners, you're going to learn about how to get started with Instagram, how to nail your Instagram bio, four ways to use Instagram for business growth, what types of content you should post on Instagram, understanding what time to post on Instagram, how to optimize your content with hashtags, how to plan and schedule your content on Instagram, how to measure your data 
data and results in Instagram all for $27. In addition, each of these modules will have their own 10 to 15 minute video and PDF to make sure that you can start mapping out your own Instagram strategy ASAP. Not to mention this program comes with four amazing business offers. My 30 day guide of different Instagram content ideas, my 30 call to actions guide, my top 10 free stock images guide, and my also ideal client guide to ensure you understand how your ideal client is working the best for you and your business in order to ensure you're posting the right content to grow your business over on Instagram. You can grab my new program, Instagram Mastery for Business Owners, all for a one time payment of just $27. To grab your spot today, make sure you head to bit.ly, B-I-T, full stop L-Y, backslash Instagram course for business owners. Again, that link to secure this amazing training for just $27 can be found at bit.ly, B-I-T-L-Y, or B-I-T, full stop L-Y, backslash Instagram course for business owners. And I'll be sure to put the links in the section of the podcast notes so that you don't miss that link in case I was going too quickly for you. Now let's jump into this amazing episode with Joe. Welcome to the show, Joe. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited to be here. I'm so excited. It's been like, we've been talking about this and talking about it, but our schedules have just been so crazy, but we finally made it happen. So I'm super excited to have you here today. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. I mean, like I was saying to you the other day, we have very different brands, but very similar values when it comes to online business. So I always enjoy our discussions. I always feel like I learn a lot and sort of get a get a different perspective, but while still sort of being in alignment with what I believe, if that makes sense. Of course, well, no, total sense. But I also think the cool thing is, is we, we have at times too, we can ag- agree to disagree and our, we're, our friendship is still the same as it was before that discussion, right? So yeah. the beauty about this space is that you and I just, I, I too, I enjoy our conversations. I enjoy our thought processing. I love how we challenge each other on different things. But like I said, still have that respect for each other. And I find that that is missing in a lot of online spaces. It's like people either start to troll or oh my goodness, God forbid they have an opinion. But with you, Joe, it's like it's always been an open door for both of us. And we equally respect each other at the end of the day. So I'm super excited to have you here. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, again, thanks for having me. And we've been, like I said, we've known each other for a while. I even know when I was traveling to Vietnam early, uh, late last year, you were like, I'm in Vietnam. If you need a babysitter, let me know. Like, I'm just chilling, you know. So it's one of those things that it's funny how the world brings people in. We've only met at, we met at Digital Marketers. Is that right? Digital Marketer Down Under? Yeah, I Digital to say. Marketer Down Under on the Gold Coast. Yeah, yeah, and I think you were unwell there. So it's funny how the online world just continues to bring amazing people. I feel I'm very grateful for the people that come into my life. And you, what I also love is you love to travel and yes. digital nomad by if I, if I want to say the word trade while you run your businesses but my question to you is, is I like to start off the podcast by getting to know or so that the listeners can get to know you a little bit better so of all the places that you've traveled and been able to work from your business or work, you know, work on growing your business what is your all-time favorite spot what brings it's, you the magic um, it's Cambodia like without any kind of doubt or question in my mind it's, it's got to be Cambodia And what is it about um, it that you like so much? So, I mean, I went there at a very kind of transformative time in my life. I'd just come out of a really bad relationship and sort of had no sense of self. Mm -hmm. And then I just kind of got thrown into the craziness of Southeast Asia and had to really learn to trust myself and my own instincts again. Mm -hmm. So it's sort of the place where I kind of, um, yeah, sort of really got back in touch with myself and figured out who I am. But um, it also has just a really amazing community of other digital nomads i usually live at a place called angkor hub which Mm -hmm. is basically like you get to live and work and hang out and have lunch every day with other people who do what you do and how awesome they too not just locals but people from around the world 
Yeah, um, so there's a lady um, who I've who I've met a few times there called Tammy Perry. She's from Canada, and she does something with designing education systems and um, you know helping people to turn their knowledge into into online courses. There's a guy called John who is now doing his PhD in like sustainable development and climate change, but he mm-hmm. also works with Google stuff. So it just attracts a really good crowd. It's it's sort of it's, there's nobody there who's kind of you know. An online business is a side hustle. It's people who really are passionate about what they do. And so, yeah, getting to, like, hang out with those people all the time and just, yeah, the lunch table is my favourite part of that experience, just sitting down together and chatting about all sorts of different things. And you mentioned, Joe, one of the things that Cambodia allowed for you was about trusting yourself. How important do you think trusting yourself is when it comes to owning your own business? I think it's really important. I think there will always be a lot of people telling you to do a whole lot of different things. And at the end of the day, you kind of have to have that center of knowing what's right for you personally. Um, I recently dropped all of my teaching work, aside from what I'm doing with Smart Marketer. And there was a pretty big pushback against that. But I I just know within myself that I'm happiest when I'm behind the ads manager just doing the work yes and so yeah if I didn't sort of have that sense of self and that sense of this is what makes me happy this is what I want to do I think if that wasn't as strong as it is I'd end up questioning that decision a lot more and probably would have put it off a lot more and kind of yeah like I think there's so much advice out there and so many people saying so many different things and you know telling you what you should want yeah, And I think having that center helps you figure out what looks good and what feels good to you, you know, and what your personal highest values are. And it, that's great. I was just about to touch upon that. I was just doing an interview yesterday about understanding your values. And it's one of the exercises I have my group coaching clients do, my mastermind clients do, my one-to-one clients do, is that so many times when we start in business, we're just go, 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 and wondering where the next sale's coming from, that people forget about their why people forget about their values and people forget about, again, that kind of mission, you know, it, it could be that they're on a mission to do X, Y, and Z. There's no wrong or right way. But I find unless businesses understand what those values are, it's very difficult to then say to know what type of content to produce. What is your brand voice going to be? How does this infuse your brand collectively? So I think, yeah, not only again, knowing to trust yourself, but going back even deeper and understanding your values and your why I think plays into doing that growth of your business exponentially. If you can learn to do that early on, the, yeah, or the I mean, early on, the better. In some ways it is a privileged position. I mean, these totally. days I only, I only work with eco-friendly businesses, but I couldn't kind of do that at the start because I just needed to pay the rent. Totally, yes. Um, but I, I think even if it takes time to get to a point where you can work purely from those values, mm-hmm. I think always being aware of them and where you want to be is important. I mean, you, you do what you have to do so you can do what you want to do. 100%. And again, I think values will change too as your business grows, as you move through the different stages of business, right? Like it doesn't mean that they're solidified forever. Um, yeah. It's almost like to Elisa Cordiff and I were actually talking about that when you are in business, again, you shed friends too, just like your values can shift and pivot. Not Most times you don't see drastic changes in values, but you might see a little few here or there. But it's like, again, that you, know, you shed business friends too, kind of the same way, because again, they might not be in the same growth stage or they're, they're jealous of you or whatever. So I think, again, I know that's a little bit off topic, but I think it's important to at least mention because people can sometimes get stuck when they're going through these growth stages or infancy stages, whatever 
whatever scaling mm-hmm. stage um, and get confused about, well, why is this happening? You know, it's, it's you know, so much growth. But again, yeah. those values, I think, are instrumental. The sooner that you can identify, they're always there. But once you kind of name it and kind of, you know, and you would have yours mapped out now, Joe, like I said, you do really well with working with those, the brands from an eco perspective. And yeah. that lights you up. I can see it in the Facebook communities that we're in, which is, again, we're going to talk about briefly or shortly, I should say, is that's your core, but it's equally allowed you to start to niche and be known for that. Whereas again, at the beginning, there's no way you could have niched straight into that probably. All right. And you know, I mean, made copious amounts of money to pay everything that you needed to do. It just doesn't yeah. work like that. I mean, I often say that I think adaptability is the number one skill that you need as a marketer. Um, and I think they will probably expand to all of online business too. Um, mm-hmm. Like you need to know, you need to sort of have that core and you need to know what's non-negotiable for you, but you also need to be willing and able to adapt to different situations, different platforms, different communities. Yes. Um, so if you, if you sort of, yeah, if you know who you are, but you can adapt that to the context that you're in, I think that's, or the stage of business that you're in, I think that's an incredibly powerful thing. Like I always had the eco-friendly values, but you know, when I was just starting out, I kind of had to be able to adapt or willing to adapt just to sort of get by and get to where I wanted to be. So I think. Totally. Yeah. Amen, sister. I hear you now. Speaking of business, can you take us a little bit back on your business journey? Because again, now you're really into the, you know, Facebook ads for EcoCom, you know, uh, yeah. eco-friendly businesses. Again, you weren't always there. So where did you start and where are you now? Um, I'm just, I love that phrase, ecocom, and I'm totally going to use that. I know. I think I, I swear I've heard it somewhere else, or I may have just made that shit up, Joe. I don't know, but it if is you, kind of fun. But did, it I'll, is kind I'll of fun. All right. I don't, I don't know. I, I never say any idea is ever is anyone's original idea. Do you know what I mean? I'm like, that shit's always floating around. But yeah, no, it kind of sounds fun. That. All right. I love that though. Um, so I actually used to be a university lecturer. I mm-hmm. was, um, I was teaching. I was, um, I was at the University of Otago. And then I was at Monash University in Melbourne, which is how I ended up in Australia. I came over to do my PhD with um, one of the leading people in my specific field, which was remakes and adaptations. So my primary area of research was kind of how do you take these texts, which people already know and love, mm-hmm. and convince them that they want to see a new version? How do these new texts even exist in the wider context of you know, this fandom, this audience, this medium? Yep. And then it would have been 2013, my ex-partner got quite unwell and we had to move up to Byron Bay because mm-hmm. um, her treatment was up on the Gold Coast and all of these other things. So mm-hmm. we ended up moving and my research stipend eventually ran out. So I had to do something else. And I was like, well, I used to teach media and marketing, so hopefully I can do it. <laughs> You're like, this should hopefully work, fingers crossed. Um, I found my first job on Gumtree. I found a guy who was looking for someone just to post on his client's social pages. He wanted to scale his business by um, adding that component to it. Mm-hmm. And I was brutally honest about the fact that I had no idea what I was doing. Um, but he, I guess maybe he saw potential and took a chance on me and let me do that. And then I picked up more jobs from Gumtree. And mm-hmm. then um, would have been, let me just think. It would have been 2016. I was running some ads before that, but I really wanted to get better at it. Mm-hmm. And then Angela Ponsford from Dotty Media, yeah, yeah, who, was, who, was just, who was just the legend of all legends, and I look up to her more than probably anybody in business, really. Yeah, um, no, she's a lovely she, lady. She's just insanely, insanely clever. So she was looking for an intern. So um, I went and worked with her for six months, and she 
put me through the ringer, but I learned a lot about the platform and really just fell in love with paid traffic. Mm-hmm. And so at that point, I mean, that was another kind of transition point similar to the eco stuff. It was actually, yeah, it was when I was in Cambodia, funnily enough. Um, I decided I wanted to stop doing organic social media. Mm-hmm. It wasn't um, like just the sort of day-to-day social media management. It's a very different skill set and a very different way of thinking. And I was just really invested in paid traffic at that point. So I sort of transitioned my business over to just doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, that's sort of what I've been doing ever since. And then I sort of ended up having um, – Another kind of shift in my business, I went over to Denver for an event with Ezra Firestone and Molly Pittman mm-hmm. and got involved with one of their programs. And eventually they asked me if I would like to be their community manager for that program because I was, you know, I had the background knowledge with Facebook ads, um, was always sort of willing to help people out and sort of support them as they, as they learned because, you know, I had that teaching background. So yes. that's sort of another thing that's kind of been tacked on. So working with Smart Marketer, um, contracting for them as a community manager and then also just yeah running ads for some very very cool eco-friendly businesses dude fantastic um, i mean what an amazing journey you know from where you started to where you are now i mean absolutely fantastic and again your wealth of knowledge about facebook ads is brilliant but also you and i have a common love for you know facebook groups i don't know yeah. what it is you and i we we got a bit of a passion about this and that's what we're going to talk about today about five ways to build your business through facebook groups without being sleazy because let's be honest I see some shit in those Facebook groups. You see some shit in those Facebook groups. And I kind of want to break this shit down because there are going to be some of you listening today that are doing this shit. And I'm going to be honest, you need to stop because it makes your brand really bad. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. But the first thing though is, is this, is I get asked this question often and I'd love to hear what you say is, do you still think Facebook groups are still worth businesses time? So I think you can kind of take that from two different angles, like one being, is it worth participating in them? Mm-hmm. And then the other one is like, is it worth having one of mm-hmm. your own for your own business? So in terms of participation, I feel like the platforms are changing, the technology is changing, mm-hmm. but humans kind of in many ways are not, you know, we like to work with people who we've connected with, um, who we've seen around, who, you know, it's like back when my dad, he was, he was kind of like an OG digital nomad, like traveling <laughs> yeah. around traveling around the world. When I was a kid, he used to go to Sri Lanka to do work and things like that. And the reason he ended up getting those partnerships and working with those people is because he'd met them at networking events or he'd got to know them just, you know, through professional wider circles and things. So I think yes. um, Facebook groups are kind of just taking the way we've always built business communities mm-hmm. and just created an online platform for it. So I think... Um, I think they're absolutely really valuable for a whole number of reasons if you're, you know, in terms of participating in them. I mean, one is just education, Mm -hmm. Um, the amount that you can learn if you're in a group where there's some very smart people, Mm -hmm. um, you can learn a lot. I mean, there's um, there's a lady called Jo Brody who um, does SEO and the amount I've learned from her about sort of the other side of paid traffic. Like, I have no interest in doing it, but what I've learned from her has helped me collaborate so much better with my clients, Google people. Right. Absolutely. Just because you've got that understanding. Yeah. And then, um, you know, you make fantastic friends as well. You know, people who are doing what you are doing and can actually understand what you're going through. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause like understanding what it means to work online and what it means to run an online business. I just, you can't really get it until you're doing it. 
Yes, I, I I hear you, sister. It's not like you try and say to family and friends, and they're like things like, "Can't you just do the laundry? Can't you just meet me for lunch? Yeah, can't you do like?" If I was working in my government job as a mental health clinician, I can't just go and do the laundry. I can't no. just do I mean like there's shit that's got to be done. But people, I think, sit here think that we're watching Oprah Winfrey reruns, you know, chugging back on vodka and just like doing nothing. I'm like, I don't stop. If anything, I work harder than I ever did in my mental health job working with people who were suicidal. Do you know what I mean? It's like yeah. it's crazy. Don't have the same boundaries. Um, I remember a friend of mine said that she was pretty sure my job was sitting on Facebook and yelling at my computer a lot. And I was like, <laughs> not not entirely inaccurate, but um, there are days that that does happen. <laughs> not quite the whole picture. So I think that sense of community is really important as well. And then if you're somebody who is looking to build your business and you're not someone who wants to, you know, constantly be pitching or constantly be, you know, hustling for clients, just showing up and just letting people know who you are and what you do without sort of pushing it mm-hmm. is a really good way just to sort of, you know, if someone's had a few conversations with you and they've really enjoyed those conversations and you you know, are into what they do. That's just a really good sort of, I feel really organic and great way to, to build those working relationships yeah. and to get clients into all that sort of thing. Um, but in terms of having one of your own, I actually get asked this a lot. Like, do I need to have a Facebook group? And my answer is always no. Mm-hmm. I think people underestimate how hard community management is. Mm-hmm. And I think they underestimate how hard it is to build a Facebook group. It's not like, hey, I have a group. You should come and join it. People are like, no. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you have to show up and offer us so much value. You have to have, you know, really good boundaries and parameters around what your group is um, is offering. So, you know, people, um, I find people are much more likely to interact if they sort of know the guidelines and things like that. So you have to make sure the guidelines you've set are easy to understand that they're appropriate for that group or that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And I also think, I think people assume that you need a Facebook group to build a community. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas I don't think that's the case. I think, you know, groups are an amazing tool for, um, you know, cultivating a community or giving them a place to connect. But I know of plenty of pages where you'll see people commenting regularly and getting to know each other and that kind of community still happening on someone's page or on their Instagram profile. So in terms of if it's worth people's time um, to be in them and participating in them, I'd say yes. But in terms of is it worth your time to have one, um, I think it can be worth it. But I think if you don't if you don't have the time or the desire to really invest in it, then I would say you could you could create something similar via your page or Instagram profile rather than adding another thing to your plate. Attention, women in business. Get ready to ignite your success and elevate your game. Join me for an exclusive three-day women in business conference from October 31st to November 2nd at the breathtaking Gold Coast, Australia. Designed exclusively for online business owners, service-based business owners, coaches, consultants, and course creators. What to expect at this amazing three-day Women in Business Conference? Expect an immersive experience filled with fun, empowering keynote speakers, interactive workshops, networking opportunities with other successful business owners, gain valuable insights, forge meaningful connections, and leave inspired to take your business to new heights. 
12 speakers have already been announced with five more speakers being announced shortly. We have Steph Taylor joining us, Anita Seek joining us, Lisa Cordiff joining us, and not to mention Maddie from Sound Healing Australia who will be there for the most magical sound healing experience ever. You do not want to miss the event of the year for women in business. To secure your ticket, head to AngelaHenderson.com.au today. And I would agree with you on that. I get asked that question too in the coaching space with my clients like, Ange, your Facebook group does so well, but why, you know, and I'm like, do you know how many, like I pay someone to be in there. I'm in there. Mm -hmm. There's a strategy about what posts we do, when we don't post, what testimonials we post. Like it's an entire strategy. Like you would have for a Facebook page or an Instagram strategy, a newsletter strategy. It's another strategy. So I always go back to those who are out there in this infancy stages. And what we're actually finding with a lot of my clients is when we looked at where their audience sits, how their audience is consuming information, what is going to be their biggest ROI for people that don't have a lot of money to spend, say, on like copious amounts of ad spend or whatever, is podcasting. And so we've been, you know, there I'm about having four, five new women in business. Do you mean like some of them have been around for a while, but we're gonna, you know, podcasting, you know, it's great way to be able to get into other like build relationships with guests, get into their ecosystem, uh, have a call to action, do you know what I mean? Get them into your funnel. Whereas again, to me, it's like, then you can share that in your newsletter. You can do it at whatever, like you're mm-hmm. all like, to me, there's so many more benefits in my opinion was a Facebook group. I also think there was a time and place I got in and back in 2017 when I opened my Facebook group, again, Facebook groups are relatively new to Facebook. So I think, again, they were honoring and almost rewarding some of those groups who went in there and actually were showing up and engaging and all that type of stuff. But I do think it's harder now, in my opinion, than before to, to have it. And again, I think people are wanting the quick fix, Joe. If I start a Facebook group, that means that I'm going to make millions. No, you still have to nurture people. You still need to have conversations with people. You still have to treat them like human beings and not a transaction. And all of that takes time. Um, So again, I would agree with you. You know, you really need to think about if a Facebook group is for you or whether or not it's better that you come up with it, you know, almost, well, I do this. It's not almost all of my clients that I work with, we come up with their overall content strategy, but their content strategy also has their strategy around different Facebook groups what groups are going to go in, what days they can post, where they should be mm-hmm. engaging. Um, so we do that versus them having their own group, but it's still part of their overall content strategy. Yeah, I think if it's something that you really think you're going to enjoy and if, you, uh, if you're if you aware of the amount of work it takes and you're willing to put that in, um, and if your ideal client is um, you know having conversations in a lot of Facebook groups, absolutely. Um, but I I would say it would be better to leave it than to kind of half-ass it. Like totally. And I would say that with anything, like I know, for example, we really dabbled down on Instagram and Facebook to begin with. Then once we did that really, really well, we then bought on the podcast and then we did that really, well, I'll give credit, I feel we did that really well. And then we then only just recently brought on Pinterest in the last time of recording, like six, seven months, right? And so again, my whole thing is is do it well. It doesn't have to be perfect. But what I'm saying is don't try to do Pinterest, start a podcast, start a group, do your page, do your newsletter and everything like choose one or two or three do them really really well as you start to grow and make money you might then start to be able to grow your team to take some of those tasks over and then bring the next one on would you agree with that joe or what are your thoughts yeah i mean i 
I, one of my pet peeves in online business is when people say you have to have this or you have to do this. Yeah. Um, you know, I um, my last launch in my own business, um, I won't be launching the program again, but it was a $25,000 launch. Mm-hmm. I spent no money on ads. I don't have an active Facebook page. I also don't have a mailing list. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have, I have a business Instagram profile now, but there's like nothing on it except for photos of my dog. Yep. So... But then at the same time, I mean, I did have to invest probably about three or four years just building my network. Totally. Um, so, yeah, so you don't kind of have to do anything. There are faster tracks to things. Like I could have scaled that much faster if I had a page and I was running ads, but you kind of don't have to do anything. You can pick where you want to be. It's like, I don't, you know, for years I didn't have a website. Yep. That didn't stop me from building a full-time business. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it probably happens slower and it probably, you know, all of the things. But I don't think, yeah, I don't think there's any platform that you have to have. And I think you can absolutely build them one by one if you want to. And if one doesn't appeal to you or one aspect of the Facebook ecosystem doesn't appeal to you or whatever, you don't have to do that. The only thing you have to do is build authentic relationships with people. That's mm-hmm. it. Yeah. And again, I look at authentic relationships as a bank account, right? Mm-hmm. It's you, can't, you typically can't take out what you haven't put in. Yeah. I mean, it, online business, I think, is very much a reputation economy. Mm-hmm. It's, um, you know, if you if you take the time for people to, you know, to or to show people that you're good at what you do, that you actually really care about it and you care about who you're doing it with and for, that's, I mean, that's what's going to help you get to the top of the heap. You know, it's not always the person with the most money that ends up winning, I don't think. No, I agree with you. And again, we, you know, we've talked about too about, about perception, right? Is mm-hmm. you can have people who are, you know, mean, making millions, but when you look at, do you know what I mean, what their actually profit margins are, some people in the amount of ad spend they're doing and all this other stuff is like potentially, do you know what I mean? They could ultimately, you could, you may be more profitable than someone who's doing all of those things, right? Yeah. So it comes down to that. I also like what you talked about, again, just treating people like humans, right? And mm-hmm. adding value. And one of my most favorite books, and I mention it all the time, so people are probably sick of it, but I love it, is the book, The Go-Giver by Bob Berg and John David Mann. And in one of the sections, they talk about the five laws of stratospheric success. And I believe this is so I believe it. I believed it for a very long time, but I think it's so counterintuitive that people can't get it, Joe. And what mm. the guys talk about in the book is these five laws, and they talk about the law of value. And they say your true worth is determined by how much more you give in value than you take in payment. Then they go nice. on to say about the law of compensation, and they say your income is determined by how many people you serve and how well you serve them. And it's like, hello, yes, but people are so worried about the transaction. I'm not saying that that isn't something we worry about in the beginning stages, but the sooner you can understand about adding value first, like the world of the universe will start to, it does all play into one. Mm -hmm. Then talk about the law of influence. And they say your influence is determined by how abundantly you place other people's needs and interests first. The law of authenticity, the most valuable gift you have is to offer yourself. And the law of receptivity, the key to effective giving is to stay open to receiving. And I think in its online space where things are overcrowded and whatever, if you go back to these human elements about adding value before payment, serving people, putting people's interest in action, 
actually enjoying them, your business will grow. And that's something that I can honestly say I've seen with you, Joe, is like you said, you don't have all the bells and whistles. You're not dropping 15 million quadrillion dollars on Facebook ads, but you are constantly growing every time I see you, Joe. And again, it just goes to show though, but you're always adding value. You're always serving people so beautifully. Um, you're, you're listening, you're receptive, you help people. And again, it's again, similar it, it pays off people, right? So, but it goes back to, again, I would say people's values, right? Yeah. Is not everyone has the same values around treating people like humans. Not everyone has the same values as, you know, mean, say community or connectiveness. It might not be important and that's okay. But just know that in my opinion, there is a link to profitability when you treat people like humans. For sure. And I definitely think, I mean, I, I really like to read that book. But, it's um, great, yes. It's, yeah, I, I just feel like if you come at it from the mindset of, if I have something to give, like, why would I not? Like, and mm-hmm. if I have something I enjoy talking about, like, you don't actually have to monetize your joy. Like, you mm-hmm. don't have to put a price tag on everything that you enjoy doing or enjoy talking about. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, there's a, there's a book actually similar that I buy for basically all of my online business friends. It's The Art of Asking by Amanda Palmer. Okay, yep, I haven't read that one. It's oh, so good. She, um, she basically built her entire business through connections and relationships. Like she's got this, she's huge now, makes a lot of money, but she still couch surfs and stays with fans of her band. And, I do, how um, cool is that? And her business is basically funded through Patreon. And she does like little ninja gigs and connects with people. Um, you know, she chats back and forth with people via Twitter. She actually did a TED talk of the same name, which is excellent. But yeah, her whole thing is just, you know, you just never like you just need to ask for help and be willing to receive it as well. Yeah, no, one hundred again, and that's the key. I think is receiving. So often we're like, oh yeah, thanks that, or did it? I'm okay. But again, if you can learn to receive, it just it helps so so much. Yeah. Now I know we kind of got off topic, but I think these things are important. Right. You mean to plant the seed for listeners, right? And to get people thinking about things. So we talked about Facebook groups. Again, they are still worth it as long as you've got the time and energy to to mm-hmm. go in there. But what are some of the myths? You know, I'd love for you to bust some myths about the algorithm and Facebook groups. You know what? people need to know about our current algorithm status when it comes to Facebook groups? So there's really kind of just one thing and that is just groups do not get better reach than pages. They do not get better reach than profiles. The Facebook algorithm has tendencies, not rules, Mm -hmm. but it will always privilege what is getting the most engagement and giving people the best user experience because basically they want people to stay in the app as long as possible so that they can be served more ads and Mark Zuckerberg makes more money. So <laughs> yeah. If you have a page that is highly, highly engaged and people are talking and chatting and then you have a group that's just absolute crickets, mm-hmm. Facebook is going to privilege the page. They are not going to privilege the group. Yep. So I think, that's a, I think that's a mistake a lot of people make is that they assume that groups get better reach just because they're groups. Mm-hmm. And that's definitely not the case. I mean, Facebook does have a tendency to privilege groups, but it's not a set in concrete thing. Facebook will always privilege what is providing the best user experience. So, yep. And um, I think though, but do you think that comes down to how willing you are to make your group engage? And so what I mean by that is, is we're in the middle at time of recording, not time of when you guys are listening, but time of recording, we're in the middle of launch um, for me going into how to increase sales and get more clients through challenge marketing. And one of the things my Facebook ads manager and I were talking about was 
do we set up a new Facebook group for the challenge? Do we run the lives, like the daily lives and educational components off the page? Or do we run it off of a Facebook group, like in the, my in my current group, the Australian Business Collaborative, right? And mm-hmm. what we did is we, for us, is we looked at the data that, do you mean we got from the page and we looked at the data that we got from the Facebook community. Mm-hmm. And because my community is so engaged, and that's not trying to be egotistic or, do you know what I mean, uh, conceited in any way, my engagement and everything on that group was like, decimal to what it was, mm-hmm. do you know what I mean, on the page. Now, the pros we knew about having it on the Facebook page was that if we wanted to run additional ads to something later on or promote that particular section of the learning of the day, we could, and we knew it was a restraint for us within the group, but we had other strategy to cover that for this particular mm-hmm. launch. So would you say that's all the time with Facebook groups and engagement, or do you think it comes down to, again, how well you're running a group? I mean, it really, yeah, I mean, it comes down to how well you're running a group. Um, yeah. In terms of things like challenges, I guess, um, you know, you want to think about the user's experience as well. There's definitely times when someone might not want to talk about whatever it is the challenge is about in a bigger Facebook group or on a Facebook 100%, page. 100%, yes. So creating a smaller community is potentially going to, yeah, um, facilitate a better experience for them. And um, if you can do that, then you're going to get better engagement during that launch period or during that challenge period. And that's going to help your group get seen. I think... I mean, ultimately, with any kind of marketing, this is very much what I do with Facebook ads as well, is you just, you have to think about the people you're serving, like we've been saying, as humans. Yes. You have to think about their, you know, if I was a human being taking this challenge, what would I need for this experience to be worthwhile for me? I mean, yeah, it's important to think about engagement and visibility, but at the end of the day, if nobody sees your group really, but everyone who's in it has an amazing experience, your yes. group is ultimately going to be more successful. Yeah. And for us, you know, obviously we're still in the middle of launch. We haven't delivered it yet at this stage, but one of the things will be is that, you know, we will up our engagement obviously even more to make sure yeah. comments aren't getting missed, questions are getting answered, whatever. But again, this is the thing about running a group, right? Is it comes down to strategy. If you've got a strategy behind it, regardless of you running off a Facebook page, new group, old group, I still think, again, it's, you're there to serve them. I think it can't go wrong. Do you know what I mean? I mean, obviously, there's always going to be hiccups with any launch, but I'm confident yeah. we'll test it. Uh, I've tested it in smaller groups before, just like, set, like setting up a second, like just a brand new one and closing it out. So this is the first time. But again, I think Facebook groups and Facebook marketing with any type of marketing, you're always testing. Every yeah. single time is a test. And what yeah, works one absolutely. time it might not work another time. Yeah, definitely. I think people get very kind of caught on the idea that this worked for this person, therefore this is going to work for me, or this worked for me last time, it's going to work for me again. Mm-hmm. And that's just not the case. Like I, I'd had a launch that I had worked on, and the last time we ran it, it was almost a million-dollar launch. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the next time we ran the exact same ads, and they tanked. Yep. You know, you can't, um, you, you need to always be willing to, I mean, even halfway through a launch, things can change or go wrong. So you need to, again, have that adaptability, I think. Especially yeah, like, because the platforms are, too, are so dynamic too. Like you just never know what Facebook's going to do. Exactly right. Like our last launch, we had to pull ads halfway through. It wasn't viable. Do you know what I mean? And we switched and we changed. It just wasn't viable to keep going at $26 a cost per lead. It just wasn't. Do you know what I mean? No. So for us is we're like, okay, great. We'll use what we can. We'll salvage what we can and we'll just learn from this and we'll double down the next time, right? So it's always learning, but that comes down to that adaptability, the flexibility and the mindset to know this didn't work. It's okay. It's not the end all and be all. We just got to keep rocking and rolling. Now, yeah. With businesses though, in Facebook groups, 
how, how or what have you seen businesses do really badly and what can they do to avoid these for future participation or running of their own groups? So if you're participating in groups, you have to acknowledge that it is not your space, mm-hmm. that you don't get to make the rules, that the whoever has created that space has put guidelines in place, partly, you know, for the community, but also probably partly for their own sanity. And you need to be respectful of those guidelines. You know, I, you know, some of the big groups I'm in, when people are blatantly self-promoting, when that's not allowed, the way that you view them shifts because mm-hmm. you're like, you know, this person is not respecting the rules of this space. This person cares more about promoting themselves and being part of a community. So breaking the rules, like you might think it's a good thing or you might think, oh, you know, if I can get my promotion out there even for like 10 minutes, but it sort of fundamentally shifts how people look at you um, and definitely in a negative way, I think. So, um, yeah, that's something that I, I think uh, people should be avoiding. And if people see you like, if you can't find a way to offer value within a group's guidelines, it's it's probably not the right group for you. Mm-hmm. Or you might just need to, you know, sit down and really think about what you're even doing in there and what you're in, like, you know, why you're in that group in the first place. If yep. you're just there to endlessly promote yourself, then I would say you probably, you know, um, maybe need to reflect back on how your relationship with the wider online business community and how you're showing up in general and sort of where you're at in business too. Like if you feel the need to endlessly self-promote, that sort of comes from a sense of, I mean, desperation, I guess. Mm-hmm. So that would probably, you know, or should flag you that you might need to actually just sit down and take a look at your business. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I have a friend who was sort of doing that, really endlessly self-promoting, and then they figured out it was just because of stress. It was because their business was not going well. Mm-hmm. Went and got a part-time job, took some of that pressure off, and now they're actually showing up, you know, from a much better place, and their business is actually growing more than it was before when they were endlessly self-promoting. Yeah. So I think, um, yeah, being respectful of the spaces that you're in, being respectful of the people who've created them mm-hmm. and not sort of, you know, um, feeling like it's yours to exploit or yours to use whatever, you know, however you like, you know, being in a Facebook group that's, you know, being in a space someone has created is a privilege, not a right. Yeah. And it's, and it's one of those things too, that there's like so many things like, when you own a Facebook group, there's some things that I've just been met with, right? That I'm just like, oh, is this actually true? Am I dealing with this, mm-hmm. right? Or, you know, the messages you get that, you know, such and such in your group is just PM me. They said that you, you they could offer a better service than what you're offering. You know, just like stupid shit. And you're like, is this yeah. for real? Like, I've created this space. I allow you guys to promote. I allow you to engage. You know, I've got, there's, and it isn't a, from a place, in my opinion, of there's a, there's more, I'm a pretty abundant person. There's more than enough to go around. Yeah. But one of my core values is respect, respect mm-hmm. for self, respect for other people, etc. And when I see that happen in the groups, there's always a little bit of me that's like, really, you know, or, you know, there's another lady in one of the Facebook groups who, again, it's not my, I mean, yes, it's my group technically, but technically Facebook owns that group at any particular mm-hmm. stage. Um, and, you know, again, she contacted all these people to have a local meetup in the Brisbane area. And I'm just like, okay, well, this is, a, these type of tactics will only get people so far. So I don't own yeah. what they do because I'm just like, that's on them. But that isn't how, I, in my opinion, in my experience, good marketing, right? Good. Because now that that's been said to me, it's like now they've just tainted their brand. Do you know, I actually trusted some of these people. And now I'm like, dude, I wouldn't, you know, 
put any time or effort into because why would you treat people like that? Like what, what value do you get from that? Right. So again, Facebook groups are so interesting. And I also have the seagull analogy, Joe, is that so many people I can always tell today at time of recording is promo promo day in my Facebook group, the Australian business collaborative, which means the seagulls are coming. So they will come out and they will shit their promo all over the Facebook group. All right. I haven't seen these people all week. They haven't commented all week. They haven't engaged all week, but they will come in there and shit their shit everywhere. And then they fly away till next Wednesday, Joe. And I say, don't be the seagull. If that's genuinely your strategy, you're better off literally not doing it at all because it's not going to, people are cluey, they're more and more clear, cluier, do you know what I mean, with Facebook groups. Mm-hmm. We'll see that from a mile away. Also in launches, I can look at someone's Facebook group and know exactly when they're about to launch. Yeah, for sure. Because the owners of the group show up typically only at time of launch and then they leave. Well, I mean, something that Ezra Firestone says a lot about email is it doesn't matter how often you email someone if it is always a pleasure to hear from you. Exactly right. And if they always really enjoy your content. So I think it's exactly the same with promoting things. Like if you're constantly showing up with good content that people enjoy and get a lot out of, they're not going to care what you promote or they're not going to see you as sleazy or they're not going to see you as someone who's just trying to hawk stuff. Yeah. Because, yeah. Yeah, 100%. And so for businesses out there, we can talk about the, you know, the sleaziness, we can talk about it. But again, at the end of the day, people have to take responsibility to engage in these amazing Facebook communities or in their own Facebook group. So can you run us quickly through the five ways businesses can build their business through Facebook groups without being sleazy? What are kind of your five tips? Um, I'd say number one is be authentic and be original. Um, Don't just copy and paste the exact same pitch on every single post. Take the time to actually talk to people. Um, I'd say be in the right groups for you yep. is a really important one as well, um, not just in terms of your target market, but also in terms of what's going to build you a really good, solid community around you where you yep. can ask questions and get feedback as well. Um, respect the admins, again, because if you don't, you're just going to get kicked out. So yeah, Totally, dude. That's, uh, that's not really going to work. Um, yeah. What else? I would say just offer more value then, um, you know, offer more than you take, always give more than you take, um, answer questions, offer tips, offer advice, you know, you've, you've probably got something that you can give, which is not, you know, going to be you basically doing a free consult for nothing, you know, yeah. there's, there's always places you can give tips or advice that are going to really help people mm-hmm. um, without taking too much from you. Um, and then I guess just be a good human. Yeah. Just um, be a good human, you know, don't, um, you know, it's, it's just simple things like um, if someone say, you know, and this is something I feel very strongly about, um, say someone's going through depression rather than trying to hawk your stuff, you know, say, hey, have you spoken to your doctor? Yeah. Or something like that. Um, you know, don't sort of do stuff in Facebook groups that you wouldn't do in your friend group. Like if one of my friends told me, you know, that they were having a hard time with their business, my initial response would sort of be, well, how do you feel about that? Or where is it going wrong? Not, have you tried Facebook ads? Like, you know what I mean? Or like, hey, here's my thing. Sign up and get a $50 discount. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And again, that's the thing. I really like that around just being able to, again, be a good human and think about the comment I'm about to post. Is this helping someone or making their life worse? Do you know what I mean? Pretty much. And that's not to say you can't have an opinion on things or disagree with people. I mean, I have very strong opinions on a lot of things, Mm -hmm. but 
it's it's always coming from a place of respect and always coming from a place of wanting to connect and actually help people Mm -hmm. rather than, you know, always looking for an opportunity to sell your stuff because that's not going to help people get to know you or what you care about or it's not going to, I mean, it's not going to attract good people to you either because all people know is what you sell. They don't know you. Yeah, there's not going to sort of be that connection to personality there, if that makes sense. Yep, and again, I'm all I'm really big about human to human marketing. It's the experience and interaction one faces with a particular brand, and every time you comment, every time you like, every time you post, is still an experience or an interaction, good or bad, that is shaping your business and you as a as a human. Yeah, and I would rather someone not like me because I showed up from an authentic place than everybody, you know be sort of neutral because I've never sort of expressed an opinion or a view on anything, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, I think good marketing is about bringing in the right people, but also just letting the wrong people know that it's not a good fit. Yep. 100%. Well, Joe, it is always a pleasure to chat and I appreciate you taking the time to talk about the five ways to build your business through Facebook groups without being sleazy. I also love you busting the myth about the algorithms and groups versus pages. Do you know what I mean? And again, how important that engagement is. I also loved how we talked about the benefits that Facebook groups have from, you know, making connections, obviously still getting sales and, but just being a good human. And again, just understanding again for business to really think about where is your time? Where is the ROI? What can you put into participating versus uh, you know having your own group or potentially both because regardless it takes time but also strategy for you to you know show up and treat people like humans so I really really appreciate you being here and so for those listeners that want to learn more about you Joe uh, who could be eco-friendly businesses or just want to connect in general or looking for Facebook ad management you are a great connector also who and where are how can they find you so there's two places people can find me. I have a website. People can send me a message through. That's just theadnomad.com. Mm-hmm. Um, or I'm going to be at Digital Marketer Down Under in August, uh, July, August this year. And I'm actually going to be presenting on Facebook groups. Fantastic. And um, running sort of a longer session on how you can use those to grow your business and how um, how to build engaged communities. Mm-hmm. So if you want to come and hang out with me on the Gold Coast, I will be there. Fantastic. And we'll make sure that we have that in the show notes also. That would be lovely. So yes, another great conference to attend. Again, it's local to both of us. So yeah, I spoke there last year. Yeah, great, you know, great space. Yeah, for sure. Sonia Keenan's, um, yeah, worked really hard to build an awesome community. And I'm very excited to to be, yeah, to be on the stage this year. Dude, fantastic. So they can find you at your website, which we'll include in the links. And or also they can head to the link to potentially look at buying one of those tickets to, yeah, the conference. Fantastic. And awesome. for the rest of you, my team and I will be putting together the whole transcription for this episode at AngelaHenderson.com.au. And as I mentioned earlier, if you enjoyed this episode, I'd love for you to share it, especially over on your Instagram stories. Don't forget to tag me at Angela Henderson Consulting. Joe, what's your handle? For it's Instagram? at the ad nomad. All right, if fantastic. You, if you like pictures of cats, dogs. <laughs> yep. Feel free to tag both of us. We would love it. Also, if you are, you know, obviously listening to the show, don't forget to subs- uh, subscribe and or leave a review. I would greatly appreciate it. Thanks so much again for being on the show today, Joe. And for the rest of you, have a fabulous day, no matter where you are in the world. And I look forward to you joining me again next week for another amazing episode of the Business and Life Conversations podcast. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, Ange. Thanks for listening to the Business and Life Conversations podcast with Angela Henderson, www.angelahenderson.com.au.